Welcome to the Fish House Nation podcast presented by Catch Cover, your home for ice fishing news, tips, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Chris Larson. Hello and welcome to the Fish House Nation podcast. Got some temperatures dropping, starting to feel more and more like ice fishing. And this weekend, I was at the Adrenaline Sports Center in Ramsey, Minnesota at the North Metro Ice Fishing Show. And I ran into Andy Peterson from Ice Fishing Minnesota. Andy joins us now. Andy, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Great, man. Great to have you on the show. Uh, first of all, let's just talk about the show a little bit. Uh, what were your thoughts on what you saw this weekend? Uh, it, it's a fun show. I, I, this is what the third year, I believe it was. And, uh, yeah, this is our I'm not sure. They, they took, I know they took a little break for, for COVID. So it's, yeah, I think it's been two or three years. Yeah. This is the, the first year that we had a booth there. And, um, I mean, we, we did well. And there was a lot of, a lot of people. Um, I like the, the fact that the show keeps growing and growing and growing, you know, where a lot of other shows seem to kind of, be tapering kind of the opposite direction. So it, it's good to see, you know, um, a lot of good deals, a lot of people, a lot of kids. We had uh, we had a gumball machine that for a quarter you'd get a, a little tungsten jig and and the kids really like that. So I think the first day we went through like a hundred and like a hundred and forty seven or something like that jig. So it was fun. Yeah, it's a heck of a deal. I should have brought some quarters over there and picked up some jigs <laughs> for this year. Quarter apiece. That building is much more full than it was the first year, so they had the show. Um, a lot more vendor booths in there, and there were a lot of people there, and, and the people there were very excited about ice fishing. And again, it helped that we had the temperatures that we had this year. This, so I think people walked in the building with that feeling of, boy, we're going to be ice fishing pretty soon. For sure. For sure. Yeah, I, I, the right I, temperatures. I, I on saturday so <laughs> yeah yeah well the thing i wanted to have you on uh to talk about was big bluegills and i know you live in the central part of the state and it's this part of the state where you can find those big bluegills they are there um tell me a little bit about big bluegills what do you think make big bluegills special um i've always just they've always had a soft spot in my heart and i think that it, it's just the fight i mean you can get an eight nine inch uh bluegill and it's it's it almost you know sometimes it, it'll peel drag and stuff just like a, a northern pike so you know especially put on light um gear they're just a blast you know i i love them a lot <laughs> yeah they turn themselves sideways and kind of get that that pan of the panfish shape and it, it it makes them a pretty wicked fight coming through on the light gear um with the light rods light line um but they are difficult to find as well. Mm -hmm. um, tell me about kind of what you do to find these fish when you want to go out and find some big bluegills. Um, in in my area, um, I'm around the St. Cloud area. Um, a lot of the lakes get hit pretty hard. And so it's been getting harder and harder uh, to, to find the good quality big bluegills. Um, I, I'm talking more like the 10 plus. Um, but to, to do that, you know, I, I use a lot of the lake, the DNR Lake Finder app, um, you know, go scoping around for, for new lakes and, and um, yeah, constantly moving, constantly trying new lakes. Um, I, I, 
you know, I, I don't tend to go south very often, um, which I, I maybe I should, um, but I tend to go more up north if, um, you know, if, if the hunt leads me up there. And, uh, yeah, I like the small lakes that you drive by and, and you know, the fishermen is like, hmm, I wonder if there would even be fish in there, you know. So you're kind of looking off the beaten path. I mean, what are some characteristics of lakes that typically have those bigger fish that you don't see in places that are hit pretty hard? Um, there, there usually is a, a pretty good weed coverage, and um, and kind of kind of boggy type around here. It's kind of the boggier type areas where, like I said, you drive by and you wouldn't think that there'd be fish in there. Um, and, and I'm sure, you know, some of these smaller ponds like that, they'll freeze out probably every, you know, five, six years. Um, so that that's kind of what I mean. You kind of have to keep moving and, and stuff like that. I had some lakes up north that were, uh, you know, very easily you could get 11, 11 inch gill, you know, 10, 11. I even had gotten a, a 12 and a quarter out there that actually have a replica being made of it. But um yeah, and it was it was totally just a lake that you wouldn't think that there was was fishing at all. Um, sometimes you have to go and ask, you know, people's permission if you can cross their field to get to it or their their ditch or whatever. But yeah, kind that's that's a massive box. gill. I don't think people realize even like an eight inch bluegill is pretty darn big when it comes right. to these kind of fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My twelve and a quarter was nine inches tall. So, I mean, it was just, it was just like a pie tin and reeling that up. It felt like somebody had hooked the, the center of a plate and it was just, you know, coming up like this. And then my buddy, he caught 11 and a three quarters, probably maybe five minutes afterwards. So it was, it was fun. You were, you were on the right pot of fish. Let's talk about that for a minute. Once you kind of locate a piece of water that may hold these type of bluegills how do you kind of pinpoint the spot on the spot to find a, a good location what are you looking for um i look for weed lines a lot um and sometimes i'll even go into the weeds and um you know i use my um my little markham camera even in the summer and uh, i'll find exactly where that weed line is or or where there's a pocket inside the weeds and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of creep up to that, not super close, but, you know, castable distance. And, and uh, you know, I, I go that route a lot. I just, just said that pod of fish. Tell me about how these fish kind of interact with one another. When you're finding these really big fish, they tend to school up with other fish or are they more like loners? Uh, if, if they do school up, it tends to be kind of a, a smaller school. Um, you know, I, I don't know an exact number, but I, I would guess probably, you know, five, six fish, where if you're catching, you know, six to eight inch bluegills, there could be a couple hundred of them together. Um, but you, you can definitely pull out a, a quality fish in a, in a big school like that as well. But in your experience, you're generally seeing these in smaller, like wolf pack, I guess, mm -hmm. size groups. Um, how are you fishing them? How are, how do you catch them? So once you find them, what are you doing to catch them? My, like my favorite way to catch them is still the old school, just, uh, you know, bobber fishing. 
And, uh, you know, that might seem amateur to a lot of people or whatever, but that's, to me, that's the most uh, effective way to, to, to fish and, and, and keep your lure where you want it. Um, but if, if there is lakes that they have a lot of the smaller fish and I, I, I don't really want to sort through, um, I might use a small crank and, and troll for them or throw something um, like a beetle spin or a little spin bait. Um, that's a, that's a little bit bigger so that the fish can't hit it, but the bigger ones can. So how about through the ice? We're, we're talking ice fishing here for the most part this time of year. Um, how about through the ice? What are some of your favorite lures for chasing these big bluegills through the ice? If I can catch, uh, you know, panfish and, and, or not panfish, but if I can catch, uh, sunfish and crappies on a spoon, that's my favorite way. Um, like the forage spoons and um, you know, stuff like that. That's my favorite way. But if if they're more of a tighter bite, um, you know, then just a small tungsten tungsten jig. Um, I usually start out larger and then you know start with a five and then go down to. Um, well, I used to go down to a two when I could actually tie a two millimeter jig, but now I can't. So it's a three because <laughs> my eyes. But. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I, I go down in profile. That's kind of how I start. I start out big, hoping for an aggressive bite and yeah. Yeah, those reading glasses, Andy, those reading glasses are gonna come in handy. I don't go anywhere without them anymore. You need the reading glasses. Well, my grades Let's come start, in uh, and my vision went. Right. Let's talk at <laughs> rod and reel combos. Uh, what are you using uh, top side for your rods and reels when you're chasing these fish? Um, for my real, I'm a really big fan of, of the tuned up custom rod line. Um, so I, I tend to try to fish as light as possible, light line, light lures. Um, you know, but it, I kind of contradicted myself, I guess, with the heavy or with the bigger lures and stuff. But, um, yeah, I, I usually go with a lighter line, um, like a, a power noodle, um, from tuned up and then for like crappies i will go with like a bullwhip um usually that i'll use i'll use more of like a little bit bigger tungsten jigs and then uh you know smaller spoons when you say light line um a lot of people have different definitions of that are we talking like a two pound test where are we at yeah two two pounds two, po two I, pounds i usually test. i don't go any heavier than three for for panfish at all okay that's How about, just my personal preference. Yeah, one of the things that, that's really becoming more and more common and things that people are talking about is selective harvest. And I think we start talking about big bluegills, there's probably may not be a species that's more important to selective har harvest than, than bluegills, especially in northern states. They they grow so slowly. I mean, you go down south and you can get, you can get big bluegills pretty regularly, but in our neck mm -hmm. of the woods, you know, they grow pretty slowly, slowly. What do you kind of use as a rule of thumb as far as what you're putting in a bucket? Usually nothing over eight and a half goes into my buckets. And um, I, I'm a person that I don't, I, I think fish lose a certain quality after they've been frozen. Um, again, that's just personal preference. So I will usually, uh, if I'm going to keep fish, I will keep the fish of what I'm going to eat either that day or the next day. Um, it's, it's just me and my girlfriend. I don't have any kids or anything. So 
we can usually get a meal for the both of us out of I don't know, eight or nine, eight or nine sunnies, um, and probably like four or five crappies, you know, not all together, but it, it doesn't take a lot for us. Um, and like you said, the, the selective harvest is like so important. Um, you know, I, I get it where, you know, people catch like a 10 inch gill and, and think like, man, you know, I could make a sandwich out of each side and, and stuff like that. But, um, the fact is, is, is we need to keep them genes, them genetics in the lake for them to have offsprings. Cause obviously that was a, a bigger fish and, uh, maybe it, it, you know, maybe that got 10 inches in the, in the five year time where most of the rest of the fish, you know, only got to seven or eight inches in that five year time. So, so we really need them genes to be put back into the lake. Yeah, it's, it's very difficult to replace those genetics once they're gone. And when you start seeing the smaller fish being able to reproduce, it, it doesn't take long before a lake goes downhill. And I, I've seen that firsthand in a couple of pieces of bodies of water where, you know, the bite, the word got out that there was a big fish bite and it seemed like the whole state descended on that lake for a couple of years. And all of a sudden those big fish that were commonplace are no longer commonplace. And I think that leads me a little bit to my next thing I wanted to talk about, and that was ice fishing Minnesota. And, you know, when people start posting these big fish photos up on your on the Facebook page that you run, um, you know, everybody wants to know where you caught those. Mm -hmm. And to me, the way my rule of thumb is, is, you know, if you're catching big fish on big lakes that everybody knows about, you know, I'm, I'm a lot more likely to share information than, you know, if we're catching big fish on small lakes that people don't know about, because it just doesn't take long for those things to be inundated. And, you know, your, your Facebook group, Ice Fishing Minnesota, uh, tell me about that and how many members you have there. Uh, I think right now we're right under 98,000. And as far as I can find, we're the largest uh, ice fishing Facebook group page on all of Facebook. Um, you know, I searched around a little bit, but, but, uh, yeah, we're coming up on 98, you know, I would expect us to break the big hundred K here fairly soon. Um, traffic on the page is definitely coming up, you know, with these cold temps, everybody's getting the itch and yeah. Yeah. Everybody's kind of coming there. So let's get Andy over a hundred thousand. But that's a place and, I, and I've seen it happen time and time again, where somebody posts a picture of a big bluegill and it's not long before somebody says hey where did you catch that and uh you know i always think the the pictures with the backgrounds you know blurred out of them are kind of silly but uh i think it's also important that we don't bomb out these lakes that that are producing the fish and you know and i don't want people to be rude or anything like that but i just think it's something that um, you know, people should think about trying to protect these pieces of water. And if there's somebody locally that, that knows that that bites there, great. But I don't know if we need to have, you know, tens of thousands of people showing up to catch these big bluegills. Yeah. Yeah. If it, if it was a small lake and somebody name dropped the lake, I mean, with 98,000 members, um, you know, even if a, a quarter of them, responded to it and and went out there uh yeah you can wipe out a lake real quick um and when we kind of go w along with the same um ideas as what you had as far as uh 
we we don't really allow name dropping, especially if it's a smaller lake. Um, you know, if somebody talks about Mille Lacs or Vermilion or Red or Lake of the Woods and stuff, uh, you know, we, we let that that slide or whatever. Um, absolutely, like, no, like, GPS cords or nothing like that. Like, we, we take that down right away. That doesn't, it, you know, that's any lake. Um, and, and it gets hard because, you know, um, you know, where did you catch that fish is probably the most common asked question on, on the groups. And uh, I think that we have a uh, obligation to, 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 to protect the lakes as much as we can on our group sides. Um, you know, even if, even if it's not really a popular opinion, you know, for a lot of people. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's kind of the least we can do. I've seen, you know, some of, you know, past uh, forums and and even print, you know, they would have a lake of the week and or, or something along them lines and talking about I mean, the color they're using, where they're going and stuff like that. And, and the lakes just get depleted. And I, I don't want to be responsible for that. I don't want people being like, oh, I've seen this on Ice Fish in Minnesota and everybody told me to go here and this and that. And, yeah. Yeah. And my advice to everybody, too, if you're out fishing and you, and you get on some of these bites and you want to share some photos of, of your trip, I think that's awesome. Um, use your shelter as a background or take the pictures inside your shelter. I, I just I think the blurred out background thing is just you just look goofy. And it, it, I think it prompts more people saying, boy, what are you trying to hide? So if you, if you use that that shelter is your background or take it inside, or maybe, um, you know, you can shoot from above down onto the person too, where you really don't have a background that, that, um, you know, you can figure out where someone is, um, do those kind of things. I just think it looks better. It makes the sport look better. It makes us as anglers not look like clowns that are trying to hide what we're doing, even though that is sort of what we're trying to do is, is hide yeah. our location, but it, it, it just makes it more look more, I guess, discreet, and it looks, I think, just classier. Yeah, I, I try to, um, you know, find a background or find a spot along the shore or something that has nothing um, of significance. Yeah, you know, like yep. no, no another houses, good tip. No houses, no, you know, big rocks that, you know, somebody can come by and say, oh, that's the rock, you know, or, or anything like that. Um, and, and I think everybody should, should kind of do that as well. Um, going back to the you know oh where what lake were you on or or you know the question of that um i think probably nine times out of ten even if people give you the answer it's probably not the correct answer and i'm, right. I'm guilty of that myself you know um because some people just you know even in person you know they'll keep on you come on you know like you know and uh yeah you just there's there's kind of a joke that goes around um it where people were just like, yeah, go to Moore Lake. And I guess that's just more of like a real shallow slew in, towards the cities. Um, yeah, so everybody would just be like, yeah, I caught this, you know, 30-inch walleye on Moore Lake. And and it, it kind of makes you wonder how many people have went out there and drilled holes. But you, you just, you got to do your own homework. That's part of the sport. That's part of the fun. Um, you know, there's going to be ups and downs and, and you just got to take your lumps. It, and for me, like doing the homework yourself and going out and, and actually like finding good quality fish and stuff, it, it you know, it kind of makes you 
proud that you, you know you did all the homework yourself and and kind of get yourself in tune you know right yeah i like to take a look at maps and just look at structure and find the kind of places that i typically find fish and then go out there um you talked about going to the dnr um map finder and or lake finder and one of the things that i find in my experience is Clearwater seems to have big bluegills. You oh. typically don't find the numbers that you'll find in some of the darker water type places, but those clear waters seem, at least in my experience, to have uh, maybe a little bit fewer numbers of fish, but those fish tend to have higher quality. So I look for look for clear water places and looking for certain types of structure and, and humps and saddles and things like that. And that's that's where I'm targeting fish. And I think that's something that people can just take that that pattern or just pay attention to what you're seeing and what you're doing when you're catching the kind of fish you want to see and catching the kind of fish you like, and then just going and trying to find other places that have those same characteristics. And it tends to work out pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Be before the days of being able to log everything into your phone book, I used to have a notepad. And um, whenever I was on a hot bite, I would always write, the conditions you know temperature wind water clarity the you know the bottom you know if it's rocks or sand or mud um I'd, I'd always write it down in a notebook and i just left that notebook in my boat and that was something that i would compare to future bites and see if i could find um you know similarities and and of, of course you do so then after after a while then you start looking for the stuff that has happened you know where you've had success in the past and and uh yeah and it usually works out pretty decent very good andy is there anything else that you wanted to talk about today that i didn't ask you about i don't think so i'm i'm ready for ice and yeah um i got the itch just as bad as everybody else <laughs> yeah everybody's ready to hit it right now he is andy peterson from ice fishing minnesota Andy, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, look forward to spending some more time on the Facebook group this winter and just seeing what's going on there. It's always fun to kind of see what's happening across the state. And yeah, um, yeah. it's just fun to learn about new things from new people and just see what's going on. So uh, appreciate all the effort and time and work that you and your team put into that Facebook group. No problem. No problem. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks to everybody for listening and watching. See you next week. Thanks for listening to the Fish House Nation podcast presented by Catch Cover. For more ice fishing content, visit our blog at catchcover.com.